After a short break, a short break, a short break. Is that what that uh, was? Um, that you know, every every girl, never, every girl I've dated said like guys don't know times, so like it's short, short break. So, okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, it's kind of like when someone says like between nine and nine thirty, like what does that mean? A short break. No one knows what it means. It's a short break. We defined what short means. But what happened this week? Because we had a few things come up, uh, some some big, some bigger, some crazy. We're also going to talk on some other stuff that happened in some weeks prior so that we've missed because we've been on a short break. Before we get into the news, though, I am Derek Wise. With me this week, as always, is Seth Krakowski. Oh, yeah. I forgot. We have to do intros. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> Even though I do a drone one every single week, uh, I don't do the intro, so I'm I'm out of it. So yeah, we've had SpaceX come up with a uh, well, not SpaceX FAA release. They're finally the long-awaited uh, programmatic uh, environmental review, the final one, and they came up with a mitigated uh, Fonzi. Yeah, what does this mean, Derek? Does that mean that SpaceX can launch Starship whenever they want, and they can we're going to the Mars next next month? Two weeks. Uh, uh, no. So it's a mitigated Fonzie. So Fonzie is finding of no significant impact. And the mitigated part is basically, there are some things that SpaceX has to do. So there's a ton of stuff with like water management in the area. And there are also some really interesting ones like establishing informational, uh, signs basically, uh, about the history of the area. They have to support fishing programs um, but some of those other mitigations are stuff like major holidays are times that they're not allowed to have the beach closed. They have Thank to adjust you. the lighting, uh, to help protect the turtles in the area. So there are definitely still a lot of things that SpaceX has to, uh, change, keep in mind and be aware of as they are testing. But, uh, mitig- mitigated Fonzie is uh, a good step forward for them they're able to they're able to now work towards the launch and continue to work towards that and they're gonna have some uh continued testing and uh, it, it's a good thing there mm-hmm. it's, it's a good thing but it, it's yeah the all in the here. in the grand scheme of things basically this means that uh the backup plan that elon talked about at was it at his was that the update or was it on twitter i don't remember anymore was hold on he Elon just tweeted. Of Elon is- just tweeted. So Within- he he said, Starship will be ready to fly next month. Uh, August. We fly in August. What? No, that's the yeah. second Starship stack. Oh, fly we, in fly, August. we ready yeah. to fly next. Stack a stack. Okay, yeah, sure. Whatever. Um, pretty much what this means is, uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, SpaceX doesn't have to uh, take advantage of like their backup pad. Which is what they've been building um, on 39A, which is where they launched their Falcon 9 and Falcon Heavies. Like uh, kind of like what they talked about is that if there's a huge amount of changes that need to be made place, so like there's an environmental impact statement or like any of these really bad things that could have came out of this PEA, uh, they would have switched over to Florida instead of launching out of uh, Texas. 
they don't they no longer have to worry about that uh, except for you know the small like the the over like 75 changes like there's a lot of changes but it's not a viable impact statement which can take I don't know, years sometimes or like at least a year to do um compared to you know this which could take anywhere from a few months to even longer but we don't exactly know uh how much of the mitigated like the, re- the requests from the fa have to be completed before they get their experimental permits um this is not a launch license this is just fa is like okay you can launch this from here We'll give you some experimental permits, and then we'll go on and, and see if we can get you a, a formal launch license. So it is like a big step, though. So I I, I want to uh, look at that again, also, because I, I think that they're able to do five full stack launches per year under this. Did, oh, did it say how many? Uh, I, I thought it did. Okay, um, I didn't. I didn't read that far into it. I just kind of read the part that said that you know they're going to give some experimental license, but I, I didn't see how many they had, but no, I, this is not going to be like forever. Like oh, eventually yeah. they're going to have to get a launch license um, for it. This is not a launch license. This is just a environmental review and they're going to give some more experimental permits similar to what they gave for just the starship high altitude or low altitude. Was those low altitude or high altitude? Cause I feel like talking about orbital, they were low altitude, but they were definitely high altitude compared to the short ops. The previous Starship flights is what I'm talking about. It'll be similar to that. They'll get like at the do it time at a time. Like each time, they're gonna have to get a new um, permit to launch. I'm sure there'll be FAA safety inspectors up the wazoo at SpaceX for these launches. Um, <laughs> they seem to not be trusted. I feel like anymore after that after the uh, the launch without permission. But you know, I, I have such a hard time believing that they're uh, Elon saying that they'll. So they'll have one ready to fly next month. So ready to fly in July, and then, July twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two. Hey, I, I think last year he was saying July. So, <laughs> um, and then a second one ready to fly in August, and monthly thereafter. That seems incredibly ambitious. Yeah, I think he's being super ambitious with like his goal because this is not like it's not like a green light for them to launch whenever. This is like a you know. There are some test launches for you to do, not um, here's a launch license. <laughs> like, I feel like he's like one. Also, I whether or not it's ready to launch, like the launch site, the rockets. I mean, I know it's kind of been quiet down there. Like I, it's I haven't as I said, been following it as closely as like I did a year ago when they were like, oh, maybe they could launch in like two weeks. Uh, who knows? And then uh so who knows like what the state of the actual rockets are in. Um, I know that heat shield, I mean, I guess the issues that we know of probably don't matter for the orbital test launch because like they just, yeah, like I feel like especially heat shields, like I, that's something that like is something that needs to be fixed is something that needs to be like figured out, but not before orbital because they're, they just want to launch it all. Like, they don't want to launch it. They don't really need to recover it. Um, like the Starship, you know, hop tests pretty much were, where they really need to figure out the landing. Uh, this is just kind of like, we really need to figure out the launching of this huge rocket and like the startup of all those engines and the, you know, how, how we got to test the, the MVAX, you know, like in flight as well. Like this is more like, again, very similar to, you know, the first, you know, S, was it SN8? No. Yeah, SN8 was the first, you know, full one where they kind of like, we just have to get these things flying pretty much. Um, whether or not that happens within a month, 
I don't. I'm still. I, I part of me is skeptical, but part of me also is like, uh, it's SpaceX. They can kind of do a lot in a month. So who knows? Other companies that launched, uh, who had some big news this week and launched, well, at least attempted to launch the orbit this week, was Astra. So Astra launched Tropics One. This was a the first of three missions for NASA. This was their. Is this tenth in total for the company? I think eighth of the Rocket Three design. If I remember correctly, or maybe seventh for the Rocket 3 design. I mean, they're getting up there in numbers, as also as they're getting up there in numbers of failures. Um, so, of course, this launch uh, had a nominal uh, first, at least the company said it was a nominal first stage flight, um, and the second stage cut off about a minute before um, it was supposed to. Uh, so it didn't reach orbit. Uh, so these were tropics. Uh, these are six uh, CubeSats. This mission only had the, fir- had the first two. Um, so they're lost. Uh, so now the mission has to either, you know, come up with money and funding to build two more or hopefully have spares, uh, which I doubt they did, uh, or just have to deal with only having now four of whether I, or not I the other I, four are going to launch. I believe I read somewhere. Uh, so I, I am not certain on this, but like they'll consider it a success even if they get only one successful one here so yeah this is like this is a i think it's a it's not like a demonstrator mission but it's not like a you know it, it's not like a go satellite which is like very important that this one thing gets on the air it's more like a we're testing to see how this goes and like you know we'll see how it works and i think they're gonna they want to do more after this um it's just would be really awesome if all six launched the first time yeah, yeah, I mean it's disappointing. the The previous Astra launch that was from Florida also failed, and so that was the just... first stage engine failure, right? Or was that a? No, so, that was the payload fairing, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was like the, yeah. the fairing failed to deploy properly, and then there was like a collision in there, and so I'm trying to think. I think that was the one that failed. Yes, that was the one that failed when I was in Texas. I was in Texas for the Starship update. And uh, I was, I think it failed while Zach was recording Happy Hour mm-hmm. over on 95 Mac. And I had to like run out of the room real quick while being super quiet. <laughs> and I, re- I just served, so served the uh, the recording. And so this is, they're at like what, 80, like they have 70 something percent fail rate. Um, and and it's, no- it's still early. So it's it's hard to necessarily say, well, they, these are 70 percent failures. But it's like even looking at the most recent launches they've had, it's like, a success and a failure and like a success and a failure. And so, so the thing that concerns me is that the failures aren't consistent. They're like a different part failed. Um, and it's not like, so when SpaceX launched their first Falcon once, it was kind of like always the engine or something a lot related to the engine failed. And so you kind of knew that, okay, well, this is a solid rocket. It's just, they have to figure out their engine issues. This is like a well, engine failed on the first stage and then their pressure fed engine, which should be a, fairly simple engine to fairly simple in rocketry terms um to like to build and, and to to maintain and then like a payload fairing failed and then like the mixture ratio wasn't right and like it's always something different so it's kind of like okay like what else is wrong like what like what else is going to fail the next time so uh, alternatively the plus side uh a different way to look at it is well they've had all these failures on these different aspects. So each time they're hopefully going back, improving, looking at the specific issues that went wrong and other issues that could go wrong. Mm -hmm. So hopefully with each of these failures in the different ways, they're getting a better and better rocket each time. So long as they're 
really using that that to learn every time. Yeah, I guess that's like a, it is a good point because but like eventually, like if everything fails, like you know what I mean, like how when is it going to stop failing? I guess that's that's the main concern. Uh, and there's not been much to, in my opinion, to kind of like show like yeah, the next one should be much better because. That's kind of like what we said when the second one failed and when the third one oh, failed. Yeah. Like, so like it, we're now like several of these in and the the stock market has definitely shown that it's definitely, you know, this company is not as valuable as, you know, it said it was when it, when it did the IPO, it went from $11 a share. Now we're down to, I think yesterday was a dollar 50 I saw, um, which is part stock market. You know, we're not, having the most boom of a of a economy at the moment but also and also i think SPACs were which is how they became a company a special acquisition company special purpose acquisition company uh have shown to like not be as valuable as projected so like yeah there's a lot of things going to that stock price but also like i think it, it shows exactly like uh maybe this company is it's definitely something bigger at hand rather than just they'll get around to doing it eventually. Yeah. So hopefully they'll that. And that's one of the things like when they're trying to balance, they're trying to keep the cost so low that they're not aiming for a perfect success rate. And Mm -hmm. so that has its ups potentially of sure you are keeping the cost lower, but for the customer there, you're still, you're putting the payloads all at more risk. And so at what point does at what point Whatever. do you need a at what point do you need a ideological change to shoot for a higher success rate so that you actually obtain a higher success rate? Because like SpaceX, like SpaceX and ULA and whatnot, everyone goes for hundred percent. They don't get hundred mm-hmm. percent. Uh you know, SpaceX will always be at ninety nine percent because they had two failures. Um ULA, while ULA itself, when they started launching when they were a company that has this hundred percent atlases and deltas have failed before their ula so they're not a perfect rocket as well so reaching for 80 percent, you know you're never going to get 80 percent, which is even 80 percent in this industry is not good in my yeah. opinion no. um so if you're getting going for 80 percent and you get 70 percent, well right now it's flipped the other way but like you get 70 percent, that's really bad compared to someone like relativity and rocket lab and Firefly, which are all shooting for that 100% range. So they're just going to have higher success and they're going to be launching just as much as you are. So why would you go with Astra versus, you know, one of the other two, especially if you're only launching out of two sites anyways, they have yet to prove that they can launch out of a, you know, like uh rocket, uh, what is it? Um, Virginia is on a whim or like a concrete pad out of, you know, Georgia or something like that. They've yet to prove that capability. So I don't know. That was a Debbie Downer on Astra. We do hope that Astra gets their stuff together. It's just, you know, another failure. It's a little hard to keep staying positive uh, about it um, for now. But. Another less than ideal uh, SpaceX is CRS-25 is continuing to uh, be on delay after some hydrazine uh, leak issues. So mm-hmm. now they're looking at July for a launch there. Yeah, we had a lot of Valve issues. Yeah, um, the past couple of weeks. Well, some some are uh, getting past those valve issues. So, looking on the bright side, OFT two uh, has 
was a success. I mean, that's a while back now, but that's uh, made it to the station, made it back. And now SLS is also at 39B following its, uh, for its second wet dress rehearsal after some issues during the first one. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was on um, ULA's uh, component, the ICPS uh, valve. That got fixed. That was one of, the, one of the reasons why I had to get rolled back. Um, it needed the ability of the VAB to, to make that change. So they had that rolled out. Is that this week they're supposed to be getting a um a wet dress? <coughs> I think so. I think okay. So. Yeah, we're coming coming close on that. Um, the launch date is a little up in the air when Artemis One. They're not even even uh, entertaining questions really about launch dates at press conferences um, until after after the second wet dress is is completed. Um, and we kind of really need a, a full wet dress. Uh, it was kind of irritating last time where they kind of like, we're going to do a full wet dress and then something fails. and like, well, we're going to do a modified full wet dress and something else fails. And, oh, we're going to do a modified thing. So I was happy to see them doing a, attempting this again. And then, yeah, CRS 2025, uh, that's like a kind of a big delay, kind of a big issue, um, having that kind of thing fail. But uh, it, it's been proven, you know, so yeah, the, the Uncrew Dragon has done pretty well um, so far, so um, it is a little bit of a an issue with the delay, but we have other launches, pops, right? For coming from Florida, so we're we're not we're not too uh, too hurting on the number of launches, so we'll be fine. Yeah. And I just looked at the next two topics. I'm like, wow, this is more sad stuff. Yeah, like, <laughs> hey, well. Well, we have a happy thing, ingenuity. Um, it is. It's sad that it gets. It has a happy ending. So, yep. uh, ingenuity is in a. Well, it's still a little sad because, like, it's just kind of like a really rough path for ingenuity. Uh, landed uh, on Mars about a year, uh, over a year ago. It's been flying. It's doing great. It's, uh, it just completed its 29th flight. Uh, the flight is. Th- this flight isn't really like an operational flight. It's a. You just. It has to get closer to. Uh, perseverance for the rest of the Martian winter uh, is suffering um, right now from lack of enough power to charge its batteries to uh, the last of the day um, right now during while it's in winter and there's going to be more dust in the air and it only has one, you know, solar panel. So it, it kind of is, it's limited on what it can do. It have a, it. So pretty much what happens is that every night as it shuts, shut itself down, turn off the heaters. And so it's pretty much fully exposed to this cold, atmo- uh, the cold atmosphere of, of, Mar- of Mars. And it's called cold soaking. And this has been linked to the failures of opportunity and spirit rovers uh, in the past that they had to start doing this and more and more things start failing. And eventually the, the entire rover failed. And we've already had one failure, which was um, one of the sensors. However, there's a fix already, a fix already got sent to it. Um, to fix it uh it was kind of like something that was written and predicted to happen before before it first flew so it, it was a pretty quick fix but uh it is far from being over uh winter solstice i believe is in july on mars um i think that's sol 500 for the mission um is the winter solstice or around that time and then at that point it's gonna kind of the opposite is going to happen. It's going to start producing more and more power and eventually, hopefully, we'll get to the point where it can produce enough power to last a day and it can go back to um, launching, uh, flying for, you know, kind of the support missions it has and hit the big, the big 30 flight. Another plus side there is, I mean, originally, it was going to have a maximum of five flights. So, it has, 
it's been so it's been so impressive. Like I don't know, I have to go and do the math. I want to go through and do the math of like the JPL. Every JPL mission has always like outlived its lifespan by like a certain percentage. And I think right now, I think it's uh, opportunity is like the longest right now. Like it from what it its original lifespan was supposed to be to what it actually did. I mean, this is like it's for like one month. It has gone like now, like thirteen or fourteen. That's a huge percentage, like huge lifespan increase. So I wonder if Ingenuity could be the one holding the new record for like percentage gain of its lifespan than what it was originally supposed to. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's insane. Uh, also on Mars, uh, this is a sad one. Uh, Insight, the NASA Insight lander, which launched, oh, I think it was back in 2019. Uh, this was the first interplanetary mission from Vandenberg, the launch. It launched on, uh, I believe, Atlas V. And it landed. Its kind of mission was to do some geog- um, you know, geological studies, uh, do some Earth, uh, not earthquakes, Mars quakes uh, on the planet. It didn't necessarily, the, one of the moles failed. Like, it was supposed to dig down to the ground. That failed. The seismometer was highly successive. Um, and then... Uh, it pretty much has gained too much dust on its uh, on its solar panels, and so it's it's kind of weighing down its its mission, turning things off, and uh, it took its final selfie. So it used its camera on its arm to take photos, um, uh, to take photos of its kind of like its current state, and then it, it stowed its arm. So this is most likely going to finish its mission um, end of summer possibly last until the end of the year but uh, most likely it won't unless there's a uh, event that cleans off the dust from its solar panels yeah well that's uh, uh most of the general space news so in some slightly less space related more uh media related for all mankind uh season three is uh starting i haven't watched it uh, I don't think you've watched it either. So what are you hoping to see this season? What are you uh, looking forward to potentially? Any expectations or anything? I'm really looking forward to the relation between Helios, which is kind of like the private company um, in the in the, the world, um, and SpaceX. Because the, the, the whole idea of season three is there's a three-way race between the Russians, Americans, and Helios uh, to Mars. And kind of the whole premise of the the series so far is that NASA keeps trying to be the first and they kind of always end up being, you know, second or last to, to doing something or they kind of always have like a rougher way of, of getting it done. Um, they were they I hate this name. They won the race to the base, which is such a dumb, <laughs> a dumb name. But like that was kind of like everything after that, everything after that was kind of just like, you know, they they kept running the roadblocks. So it's interesting to see like kind of how this goes. Um I know Zach Hall from, you know, uh, he's done some, he's watched it all and stuff like that. I, I haven't, I've been trying to catch up on season two and finish season two. I mean, I've already watched it, just rewatch it um, before I get into season three, but that's coming up on, that's every Friday on Apple TV plus. So you have to subscribe to Apple TV plus. I don't know if they still do the, um, get a year free of Apple plus if you buy a new product. Um, I don't know if they do that anymore. Uh, I know it only worked once. So if you already bought an iPhone, I think you're I think you're done on your first year subscription. But it's uh was it four ninety nine a month or something? Five ninety nine? I don't I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't recall either. But like, it, it, so it's another streaming service you have to buy. But it is probably their best show, in my opinion, on the uh, on the server. One of their best, at least. Ted Lasso is pretty good. They have a few other ones, but uh, for Space Nerds, for all mankind, it's it's pretty awesome. So that is happening. I think there's ten episodes, so wow. we are one down and nine more to go. Now another another space, uh, not TV show, but a space movie coming out. I know we talked about this a while back, but I, I'm really looking forward to it. Later this week, we have Lightyear coming out. So, you know how excited I am for that? Like, I don't even know why. It's not even a Toy Story movie. Um, it's no, like, but it's like, it's the story of the real Buzz Lightyear. The, the and toy I think Buzz we, Lightyear is we still haven't of. figured out what this, this is supposed to be. Is this a movie within the Toy Story universe that depicts Buzz Lightyear? My- or... Is this a completely alternative universe where Toy Story, where where Buzz Lightyear is real, or in my 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 opinion, which is the best reason, is this what the toys think they are? My understanding would be that yes, this would be the the Buzz Lightyear that Buzz thinks he is, and that this would be like the movie that Andy watched to get interested and to want the Buzz toy. It'd be like the movie that he watched in his universe. I don't know, but it, uh, I'm looking forward to it getting just to see it. It's just, it just looks like a, a fun, a fun movie. Yeah. I'm watching it. It comes out what this Friday, right? I think June 17th. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm looking at buying, I had, I had an old adult moment. I'm only 25, but I'm calling it old where I, uh, was looking at what time should I watch this movie? And I'm like, I can watch it like at five maybe, or like a little bit earlier. Um, and then I was like, Ooh, 10 PM. I can watch it. It's probably like what a two hour movie or something like that. I get home around midnight and that's like perfect for me to go to bed. Well, that's like perfect bedtime for me on a Friday night. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was, uh, I'll probably see that at 10 and then just go right to bed. <laughs> but I'll probably write a review on Saturday morning about it. Cause I'm so looking forward to this. It looks like it'll be a, a good movie. I've been waiting for it for a while. I mean, ever since they announced its name, I feel like that was a while back now. Uh, I mean, like it a, better be good. Like it better, it live better be good. Yeah. There, it, I, I definitely have high expectations. So if it doesn't live up to them, it could be incredibly disappointing, but I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. Mm-hmm. I'm very hopeful as well. Uh, last thing to talk about is also vaguely space related. Um, but I feel like this one is a stretch. It's definitely a stretch. This one is the biggest stretch. Although it's Guardians of the Galaxy, it takes place in space, right? Tell me, it takes for place sure. In space. Yeah, yeah, it takes place Just, in space. Yeah, D- Disney has a new ride, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. It's this roller coaster thing. Uh, thing. I saw photos of it. That's all I've seen. I've seen photos of like it's those. Uh, is it those like I saw? They look like they're the spaceships from the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I can't remember the name of the of the the, the race. They look like stars. Yeah, I mean it is incredibly fun. You're, uh, uh, I I don't want to necessarily like quote unquote spoil the ride, but I mean when you're you're transported off the Earth and you're hopping through space and uh, it's a roller coaster and a launch coaster, but it's not. And it's not terribly fast, but you're going 
sideways and backwards and sideways and forwards and the because your cart actually turns you're not it, is this kind of like um kind of like the other rise like the same technology as like uh rise of resistance the great uh was the what the mickey the mickey mini no. one okay it's not it's, it's an actual rail yeah so it is okay actually so uh i think they're calling it an omni coaster so it's like Interesting. The Omni Mover, where it's like all the different cars are on, uh, are connected, and they basically turn you. So they have mm-hmm. that turning mechanism, but on a roller coaster. So if you're like circling something, uh, like a planet, for instance, it can t- it'll turn all the carts looking down at the planet, hmm. and like it's an incredibly smooth ride throughout, and it feels it, it just like flows very well. Your, your hair flies everywhere. All, it'll cover your face during the photo for sure. And like <laughs> weirdly, this is at this is at Epcot, right? Yeah, so it's at Epcot okay. in what was the Energy Pavilion. It's now the Wonders of Xandar Pavilion. Nice, nice. Xandar, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Okay, um, yeah, it's kind of a weird. It's kind of a weird uh, park to put it in. Is this going to be a good uh, uh, a good kind of like um? Uh, the go along with like if i go to like rise of resistance like is this gonna be better than rise of resistance is it gonna be a good addition onto it so i don't know if i would necessarily say better than rise of the resistance that's a pretty high bar in my books um but i i would definitely think it's a good addition it is leagues ahead of something like the ratatouille ride um uh, and it's something that epcot really didn't have much of and that's for better or worse i know a lot of people aren't pleased with bringing movie characters and other intellectual property into epcot and sort of changing the style there but as long as mr space doesn't leave i'm happy but looking at the ride as it is it is uh just a really entertaining ride and something that people won't have uh really experienced before i think it's a a well done fun ride correction as long as mission space is still there and i can still drink around the world then i'm okay with whatever they do with <laughs> yeah um but yeah that was a, uh that is i think that's it for this week that was a uh we're, we're gonna try to do these regularly i promise uh derek sound derek is now in charge of the podcast so he's he's gonna whip me in the shape so oh, okay uh, I, I, i'm learning <laughs> this as you all are so Derek, apparently I'm derek's in charge, the, the, derek's in charge of the schedule for for the podcast so he's gonna whip me in the shape but uh, I think we're going to try to do something uh, every week or every other week, something like that, um, and get these out. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for for listening. Of course, listen to us on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcast, uh, I guess Apple Podcasts, not iTunes anymore, uh, Spotify, or at spaceexplored.com. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter uh, to kind of follow along with the space news. I'm at Seth Kirk, that's S E T H K U R K. And Derek, you're at. Derek is wise. And you can also make sure you catch up on, you know, the space news at spacesport.com. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you in our future episode.